Gemma. Welcome to Pop Fiction. Today is a special episode because we have a guest. Um, we tried to record an episode with the same guest for last season, but technical difficulties destroyed the episode, even though it was very good. Um, so our guest, her name is Emma. She is our friend, and she's a TV aficionado. So we are having her on to discuss the show Fleabag. So, spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. Hi. <laughs> I love Fleabag, so here we go. Also, that episode that we filmed that got destroyed was supreme. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I honestly don't know what happened to that. Like, I recorded it on my phone, it was fine, and then when we tried to listen to it, it was just pure static, nothing else. So, I no idea what happened there, but... That it would be too much for <laughs> yeah. So, before we start discussing Fleabag, I would just like to say that although it is super irritating when people are like, I was into whatever before it was cool, I would just like to say that I was into Phoebe Waller-Bridge before she was cool. Or, not that she was cool, before she was super famous, because before Fleabag came out, she wrote this show called Crashing that Gemma and I watched that was into. Yeah, that was it. Was yeah. like her first thing. Mm-hmm. Damn. It used to be on. We watched it. It was on Netflix. I don't know if it still is. Yeah. The. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, there's an American show with the same title, though, so you have to make sure your name is right. Mm-hmm. Not the American one. Yeah, but the Phoebe Waller Bridge one is a bunch of like twenty somethings who are living in an abandoned hospital. They're being like paid by whoever like. Owns the hospital to make sure squatters don't live there. Because Britain has, like, squatters' rights, so if people just, like, move in, you can't kick them out. So, like, they're getting people to live in, like, abandoned buildings and stuff. Right. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah, they only did one season, though. Yeah, it wasn't as good as Fleabag, but it was definitely pretty good. (laughs) Yeah, Phoebe Waller-Bridge is an absolute icon. I don't know how she does it. (laughs) Yeah, the writing in Fleabag is just incredible, like, how it does both comedy and drama so well. Yeah, like, yeah, it's, like, one of the best things ever made, you know? Yeah. And so I was not sold on season one. I, I lo- really, really liked season one. Um, once I got into it, I watched, like, the first two or three episodes, like, quite a while ago. Mm-hmm. And I was like, eh, I'm just not into it. So I didn't finish it. And then I started again, got past it, really liked season one, and then season two just, like, absolutely mm-hmm. blew me out of the water. I was, it's, like, one of my I think at one point she said she was only intending to do one season and then they went and did a second one. Um, I liked the both seasons equally, but I'm really glad that they did a second one because, like you said, Charlotte, the first season is just like it's just like terrible things happening and people being sad. So I'm really glad also for like just the character of Fleabag that she got to grow and like yeah. work on herself and get to a better place and by also the end of the show. Without season two, we wouldn't have seen what Priest is this icon. <laughs> Shows rather than character studies. Um, I feel like season one was very 
a very specific type of like terrible show you watched in middle school and were way too obsessed with nostalgia, you know? It's yeah. like it was like the ultimate like I'm not like other girls in space because I watched Sherlock. <laughs> Which was like the most basic thing out there. Like it didn't make you that cool at all, but like <laughs> yeah.
just about like the relationship that he could see like what she was doing and like how like her performity and how she was acting and he was able to sort of bridge through that it's just like a character it's a plot de- character device I think that was a part of the freaks that understood Fleabag more than anyone else did and yeah. that's how they showed it because the thing that was the most personal to her which was us he was able to connect with too yeah. so I thought that was super super cool mm-hmm. yeah and yeah. I loved the ending obviously when oh, yeah. she oh. she leaves and then the camera follows her and she's like no stop and then she just walks off and the camera stays where it is like that is that was so amazing, like, how she just rejected yeah. that part of herself and was like, no, I'm done with this. Yeah. I'm moving on. Or, that part of my life is over, you know? Or even, like, in a previous episode when she and the priest are having sex and she, like, pushes the camera away. It's, like, starting to show that she's, like, accepting herself for who she is and, like, moving away mm-hmm. from that. Yeah, I thought that was the best way to, like, because, you know, they, they weren't shy with their sex scenes in that yeah. show, obviously. <laughs> I think that sometimes that's totally fine. Um, but generally, in shows, you get the intimacy from watching the intimate scenes. Yeah. But because it was crazy how the camera cut, like, going away made it a thousand times more intimate. It was, yeah. like, it was Yeah, because she was, like, this, because her character had been, like, so focused on sex and that, and, like, that sort of thing. But she was, like, no, this is just for me now. It's not about, yeah. you know, my character flaws or who I am as a person. It's not for you, it's for me and, like, and my relationship with him, not yours and that sort of thing. It's just, though I will say, I think I'm of the opinion that they should always tastefully cut away just because I don't like seeing sex scenes on TV. I'm just like, what is this? Let's move on. I dislike sex scenes for shock value. Like, there are so many other ways to get people hooked, like, you scarcely need to. But, like, when sex scenes have a purpose, I think that they can be super shows like Mad Men, you show like a power dynamic, or Game of Thrones, which is like Game of Thrones maybe took it too far. But, you know, when, they, when they're showing something specific about the characters, I think, like, go yeah. for it. Because well, it's so revealing. What I like is where sex scenes where you think they might reveal important plot information, you can't fast forward through them because you're like, what if something happens? <laughs> <laughs> That's like every <laughs> Yeah. Or like so the sex scene... Or the sex scene is just long enough to be excruciating, but so but short enough that you can't effectively fast forward out of it, <laughs> and you just have to sit through the whole thing. But yeah, it was the intimacy that was added in the camera cutting away. I thought was insane. So 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 well. Thought yeah, out. like like you said, Charlotte, how um like earlier, how obviously Fleabag isn't the first show to use the fourth wall. I think, like. Obviously, I haven't seen everything where they use the fourth wall, but I think it's just so innovative on how they used it as an actual device to inform character and, like, mm-hmm. had the camera was such an important part of the narrative and how the show was structured and of Fleabag's character herself that was just Yeah, like, the only really other thing good. I can think of off the top of my head, obviously, there are others where they use the fourth wall to reveal who they are, and that's just used to be funny, like, a couple of times, you know, they don't really play into it. Annie Hall did it, but it was the same show, just for, like, oh, comedy. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, the way they did it in Fleabag made it feel like we were a character in the story. Because we really yeah. were. The audience was one of the characters, because she relied on the audience so much. Yeah, that's a him. really good point, definitely. Um, another thing I liked about Fleabag was how, the, how all the side 
Sinclair, <laughs> iconic. Um, Olivia Colman, terrible, but also amazing. You know? um, I've never wanted to punch anyone in the face more than Olivia yeah, Colman. The family <laughs> dynamic between Fleabag and Claire and their dad and uh, godmother, it's just like, it's just... It's, like, the craziest thing you've ever seen. It's just, it's so funny, but, like, so terrible and so, like, excruciating to watch, but just, like, it's written perfectly. Yeah, the first episode, the second season, where it's just all set around the dinner they're having, Mm -hmm. now it's amazing. I love, like, bottle episode stuff like that, and it, like, showed you so much about their dynamic. Yeah, I am a sucker for when real time in the show is real time for the audience. Yes. (laughs) And, yeah. It's so hard to write. Like, I can't even, like, it's so, so, so hard to write because it it doesn't feed most of the time when that happens. I watch it, like, that feels so unnatural. Like, they're saying things to keep the conversation going that no real person would ever say. Yeah. And when they do it right, though, it is, like, a magical thing. Yeah, and so that first episode, I was absolutely I love, I love when people just have, like, really long conversations. Yeah. And stuff, it reminds me of, um, I don't know if you've seen the movie Hustlers that came out, what was it, 2019? Yeah. Anyways, um, an important part of that was um, between the relationships between all the characters. So there were so many scenes where there's just groups of them just talking to each other, hanging out, and just, like, being together. And it went on for way longer than you would have seen, like, in anything else. But it was just so effective for, and like, the characters' dynamics. And it wasn't even, the like, the conversations dynamics. they were having were about, like, plot stuff. It wasn't. There was just, like... There's this really long scene where it's like all of them celebrating Christmas together, and it's like it had no point. It didn't affect the plot at all, but you needed to see that because how it just built up the relationships between the characters. Right. Yeah, I have not seen Hustlers because I have a deep-rooted hatred for Jennifer Lopez for literally <laughs> no apparent reason. Is there any factual evidence? No. Will I change my mind? Probably not. <laughs> well, if you ever do change your mind, you should watch Hustlers because it was very good. <laughs> Yeah, but the that episode was so good, mm-hmm. and yeah, it was a great way to introduce. It's a great way to introduce the priest too, because yeah. like have him as sort of the outsider commenting on sort of like how insane the relationship was, because you had kind of gotten used to it by that point, because you had seen it before, and then he would just be like, "What is going on right now?" Yeah. You know. <laughs> makes it feel more fast-paced, it's like Fleabag saying things to the characters and then saying things to the audience, you know, it makes it feel more fast-paced. And you can get the effects, like, is, um, I think it's one of the reasons, in my opinion, it's harder to, like, write, um, a TV show, for example, than it is to write a book, is because when you have a TV show, you can't just say, like, what the character is thinking, but yeah. I think the fourth wall breaking was a really great way to like have the care, have Fleabag sort of connect with the audience and sort of share her feelings on it and sort of comments on the situation. Yeah, I also loved how incredibly fast paced all the dialogue was, except for when Fleabag was talking to the priest. There were these long moments of silence. Yeah. And she just stood out so much in comparison to the show that's usually like so, 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 so fast paced. Like, you can't even read the captions. Like, that's how yeah. fast paced <laughs> 
yeah, it's been it's been so yeah. long since I've seen it. Like the events are just blurred together. I don't know which one. It's such which. a short show that like I watched it all at once, so they really do blur together. Yeah. Um, what happened yeah. in it? The one where um, there it's like a second episode mm-hmm. where they're talking um, and she's in the church and the music is playing. She finally like she goes to pray and then she hears like this talking together like in like a back room at the church and then that painting of of Jesus fell down. <laughs> yeah. I love it when you did that. So as a religious person, I was absolutely obsessed with the portrayal of religion in the show. It's the best I've ever seen, which is like kind of sad because it was written by an atheist, so like my Christian expected her to sort of like dismiss him or not respect his reli- like aside from like her trying to like get with him because like that wasn't very like respectful of you know, being a priest but like she like talked to him about it she went to the quaker meeting with she him she, she read the bible and she went to she like yeah and she went and she went to like sermons and stuff because she wanted to understand him and like respect what he believed in that sort of thing so i like that and as like absolutely heartbreaking fulfillment in their romantic relationship it would have really cheapened what the message was all along because like she still had this great relationship with him and like yeah they couldn't be together because he's a priest but that doesn't really diminish what they had and that it's and it lets both characters like i guess have agency in that they're not just getting together because they have to be together they get to choose their own paths and then they're okay with that in the end in the last episode, 
it's it, she like throws this party to reveal who she's chosen, but she doesn't choose any of them. She chooses herself, and that was like way more true to what the TV show had established with the wedding and stuff. So that was really just nice. And yeah, I just I was I was thrilled that neither of them caved on mm-hmm. what they believed. Like she didn't end up a Christian at the end of it, and he didn't end up an atheist at the end of it. Like they were both so strong in what they interpretation of what they believed was condemned by the other and I just thought yeah. that that was awesome especially you know when Christians in reality let's be real are like pretty quick to condemn all this yeah. I was just it was such a refreshing take it was it was it made me very happy as a religious person who felt like I could relate to that character and just like a normal person who's also religious it yeah was it was awesome. very fresh very statue is like my favorite thing ever i yeah, i love the statue <laughs> yeah, it ended up being her mom and she stole it again yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Was, oh, <laughs> i also i love that her cafe took off i feel like a lot of people brush over that I'm like yeah. that's awesome that made me so happy yeah i really yeah, enjoyed it like, like something she actually enjoyed doing and i love how um what they did to show that it was breaking it was like taking off was when she had the chatty Wednesdays or whatever it was where you had to talk to a stranger because I feel like that spoke so much about how she was learning to connect with other people and build these relationships instead of just like you know staying by herself and having lots of meaningless sex it was something that really demonstrated how much her values were changing and how it was what allowed her to be more successful So I'm not getting it. 
I'm not getting a quick answer here, so I'm not gonna waste my time looking through different articles. So yeah, I believe you. I thought I had read that it was a real fox, and that's what I was operating <laughs> off of. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they got a real fox. Like they had a real fox on the set and had it trained, but like they're filming on a busy street in London, and the fox is like, <gasps> and then the, the paramedic comes out and is like, no, yeah, like she's just not used to like noises and stuff. And he was like, why didn't you get that from here? <laughs> says like i don't know what the foxes want from me i think that speaks a lot also <laughs> to the relationship like they don't really know what they want from each other and it's only at the end that they really figure it out i guess yeah oh that was so sad yeah i was really upset but also i loved let's okay let's talk about the spicy scene shall we <laughs> <laughs>
only one time. <laughs> so I thought like that was, and because he didn't waver. At the end of the day, they mm-hmm. had sex and they're deeply in love with one another, but he loves God more. Yeah. And that didn't change, right? And I thought that was, you know, I thought that I was just so happy with the trajectory of all of that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was just really well done all around. Another really thing that well the final episode was that it made me actually sort of feel sorry for Claire's <laughs> terrible husband. <laughs> I was like, I can't feel bad for you. I shouldn't be allowed, but I didn't like Yeah, I love, yeah, we must have been talking about um, Fleabag and the Priest, but I love Fleabag and Claire's relationship. Yeah. I love, like, it's so antagonistic at the beginning, but then, like, they understand each and other. And Claire's, like, the only person I've run through an airport for is you. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. That and, like, Fleabag and Claire get up to together is so funny. Like when Claire gets that haircut, <laughs> and, oh and then Fleabag goes down to the hair sauce and she's like so mad. She's like, you know, demanding retribution for Claire's terrible haircut. And then the hair sauce is like, get the photo out of the trash. <laughs> she brought the photo to us. She wanted to look like this. <laughs> Yeah, and, some like, they don't fight, well, like, no, they fight, like, all the time, like, and they're harsh with each other, but they still have so much love for each something other. Something that really makes me happy to see with, like, sibling relationships is that, um, and, like, it's not, like, I feel this way because I think Sean and I are very close, we don't, like, we don't hate each other or anything, but I really like it when I see siblings in media who, even though they have problems, like, that doesn't change the fact that they love each other, and then they have this relationship, yeah. and it's like, that's never in question, even if they aren't close and even if they're antagonistic towards each other. So I really liked seeing that with Claire and Fleabag. It was a very happy. And also, the relationship between her and her dad, I thought, yeah. is wildly undervalued. Uh, I thought that it was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love the... Re- with their family and their relationships. I love how, like, complicated it is. I love how there's not, like, an easy, this person's in the right and this person's in the wrong kind of thing. And it's, like, over the course of the show, like, you see stuff from everybody's perspectives and you see, like, why they are the way that they are and how how these conflicts have happened. Because, like, it would have been really easy to have Fleabag just be like, oh, everybody in my family hates me or whatever and have that not be questioned. But, like, they do question it and they dig deep into it and I really like that. Yeah, like it could have been really easy to write her relationship with her dad as like she hates him for being with Olivia Coleman. It's like even though she might feel that way a little bit, they all still have this pre existing relationship and like when the godmother isn't there, like they have this much stronger, closer relationship. Each other, they were clearly made each other happy. It's like, love. 
sort of let go I don't know if that's really the right word but to let go of like her mother and like sort of how she idolized her and was like oh my mother was perfect and that you know godmother's ruining everything that's like her mother had problems too and now she's like you know I don't want my dad to marry godmother but if he wants to do it who am I to say anything and I'm gonna support him because it's his choice ultimately and I don't have a say in it and I still love him so I'm gonna walk him down the aisle yeah it was a really sweet moment and then oh also though then the pe- the, the peaches speech the priest's speech <laughs> It's a master class on how to write like anything, you know? Yeah, they just, oh. Yeah, what a perfect, perfect show. Yeah, um, I'm. Gemma made us watch the first Daniel Craig James Bond the other week, so now we have to watch all of them. <laughs> like, they're fine. We don't have to get into my critiques of James Bond right now. But I'm a little excited for the new one, I guess, just to see, like, how much of a hand Timmy Wallingers had in writing. Sounds cool. <laughs> Their writing styles are so similar and both so good. That's I'm just cool. absolutely yeah. I like Donald Glover, but I haven't seen anything he's written. Like, I haven't seen his Anna or anything, so I can't really speak to that. But he was awesome in Community, so. <laughs> expectations of what a TV show should be, so, yeah, I could see them working well together, even though, I like, Michelle said, we haven't seen Atlanta, I don't know 
when his wedding is really like the yeah, it's wonderful. It's, it would be worth a watch. Yeah. Fleabag, it's so good. We actually, Charlotte, you didn't want to watch it at first, Charlotte. You were like, oh, I don't know. This is how Charlotte approaches everything. Like, <laughs> while watching any TV show, yeah. you know, you're like, oh, I don't know. I don't want to watch any more TV. And then we watched a couple episodes, and you were like, well, this is amazing, actually. This yeah. is, you know, always how it goes. <laughs> and, um, that's not always how it goes. Yeah. like straight up comedy more than like a hard-hitting drama kind of thing so I really like it when they balance comedy and drama because I feel like on Fleabag Phoebe Waller-Bridge is the person who understands when you should have which one when you should have comedy when you should have drama when to mix them when to keep them separate And and I think she executes it really well in a way that somebody who, like me, who prefers comedy yeah. can really my, enjoy the dramatic favorite, parts as well. My favorite kind of TV show is a comedy drama, but where it's just a comedy show that has a plot and, like, stakes. <laughs> I don't like where it's a comedy drama that's, like, 90% drama, but sometimes we'll have a joke because you're always looking forward to when you were going to make a joke, but then it never happens. <laughs> so, feedback was really good as being, like, a comedy show with elements of drama that were really well done and really well executed, but you never had started when the it was like there was only sitcoms 
and then like dra- pure drama shows. I think that was probably yeah. why they did it because a sitcom can have merit on its own. Like when you're not comparing it to say like Breaking Bad or something, so they yeah. had to draw those distinctions. But like you said, Emma, like the lines are blur blurring so much. I feel like the categories aren't really as helpful as yeah. they probably used to be. You know, like like for like I guess like last year I I don't know when like Shit's Creek for example I feel like that's more of a sitcom so that fits like purely into the comedy section but like basically anything else that's a comedy show has elements of drama so yeah like Barry could have easily been sorted into drama too especially season two yeah I think season one was more of a season one was way more of a comedy show but season two is like basically just straight up drama I feel like that's also a very popular theme with like drama start off comedic and then they get more and more serious as they go right. on but when you like when you switch genres like that you want like once again the enemy the whoa <laughs> the genres like that I'm exhausted um the the categories that the emmys have made just end up being kind of stupid so yeah and then at this point a lot of categories at the award shows end up being more restrictive than anything like how the golden globes Are you kidding me right now? Yeah, I thought that show was universally hated. <laughs> yeah. The fact that music was nominated enrages yeah. me. Yeah, that was so dumb. Enrages me. Mm-hmm. And it makes it, yeah, like, everybody has agreed that that movie is horrible and should not be supported, so it's like, why yes. are we still, like, continuing to reward stuff like that? And it also really irritates me how they re-released Hamilton or whatever. So now Hamilton is getting all the awards. Like I thought we, I thought Hamilton was over. I thought we as a society had moved past the need for Hamilton, yeah. but apparently not. <laughs> yeah, I agree. On that note, the Emmys suck, so it's personal statement about the show, but it's, I wish I could go to a guinea pig cafe. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, anytime there's, like, a guinea pig on scene, I was just like, oh my gosh. Yeah. 